I'll, I'll say this. It's a repeat of what I said at my postseason presser. Uh, we didn't sign Odell to trade him, okay? So I know that's all over the place. So understand that, and that's the, all I need to say about that. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of the Big Blue Pinstripes podcast. My name is Joe Butgright. I am your host. Uh, if you heard the top of this show, you know that all of us Giants fans don't have anything to worry about because Odell Beckham was not signed to be traded. So we can all sleep easy tonight, right? Um, if that's the case, why was my phone blowing up on the night of March 12th? Why did I go through Twitter and every five minutes I had 3,000 tweets showing because NFL Twitter exploded because one of the biggest trades in the offseason of probably the last 10 years went off after our GM assured all of his fans that, you know, we had nothing to worry about. I don't understand why all that happened because, you know, we went to sleep that night, woke up and nothing happened, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is the first episode of Big Blue Pinstripes podcast. As, as you know, if you listen to the trailer, we're going to be a podcast that takes a deep dive into the Yankees and the Giants. Uh, those are my two favorite teams. I love these teams and I, I can't get enough of them. I know I drive my wife crazy because I talk about them nonstop. So I figured I'd start this show. That way I can talk to you all about it. Uh, and I have been waiting for this opportunity to rant about this offseason. I went on Facebook, I, I posted my rant, I posted a rant, a series of rants on Twitter, a la Odell Beckham Jr. himself, um, and now I finally get to do it over the airwaves and air my dirty laundry because I hate this fucking team so much right now. How, how, how can you trade one of the best players in all of football, one of the top two or three players at his position in all of football, for... A fucking bag of marbles. I, I get it. You get Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers. Everybody thinks he's gonna be a superstar. I don't. I don't see it yet. I mean, he was great in college, but so was fucking Tim Tebow. Um, I don't understand why everyone's like, well, you got you got the 17th overall pick, which okay, fine. That's kind of meh, whatever. But you also got another first round pick in Jabril Peppers. Okay, no. He was a first-round pick two years ago. He's not a first-round pick now because when you draft a first-round pick, you get them for five years. We don't get Jabril Peppers for five years. We get him for three years if we exercise the fifth-year option, and then if we want him for five years, we'd have to sign him to an extension. That's not a first-round pick to me. That's like a fourth-round pick to me. You, you don't get a first-round pick for three years, and then they're a free agent. That's not the way it works. So, no, we did not get two first-round picks. We got one first-round pick that's in the middle of the first round. It's not even a good first-round pick, and we got Jabril Peppers who is okay, who is trying to replace a player that they let walk that's a lot better than him, and I'll get to that later because that fucking pissed me off too. This trade absolutely turned me off for this entire offseason. I didn't care. The weeks following the following this trade, I just gave up. I was like, I'm done with this team. There's been so much shit that has happened over the last couple years with, with Ben McAdoo, with Jerry Reese fucking up so many drafts, and then hiring Dave Gettleman. I actually was excited about that hire. Oh boy, how he has proved me wrong. And Pat Shermer, not really sure what strings he's pulling in this, in this game, but I'm not sure exactly how to feel about him just yet. He didn't impress me this past year, but they were dealing with with a lot of injuries and the offensive line is atrocious and the Giants drafted one fucking lineman this draft and it was in the seventh round so I don't understand I'll get to that later as well obviously I have a lot to 
say. Thanks for tuning in. Um, obviously, if you're here, you must have liked the teaser. Thank you for tuning into this launch. I wanted to get two episodes out so it can give you a little bit of a binge opportunity. Um, after you heard the trailer, you like what you heard, you get two episodes. And then starting now, we're going to do an episode every week. Our Patreon page has been created. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a it's a website for content creators of all kinds. Um, you know, artists, musicians, podcasters, web designers, things like that, where, you know, fans can donate to your cause give you a little bit of you know assistance and helping you provide better material better content um so that page is created for anybody that wants to donate i really appreciate it we have set a goal that you can see on there that we can actually give back to the community give back to people in need if you know we get enough donations and also it'll provide better content for the show i'll get i would use it to get better equipment use it to provide you know better digital clips of all kinds you know things like that it'll help me add to the team to you know create a better show so you can do that at patreon it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash big blue pinstripes anything is is appreciated nothing is required um just want to have a good time so that's up one thing you will get with that is i will be doing in between episodes the goal is to you know provide some rapid reaction to certain things like if this show had been ongoing previously there would have been a video posted the night of that trade obviously would have been a very angry video would have been entertaining i'm sure it would provide laughs to giants fans and non-giants fans alike things like that would be uh what you would get as a patron of the show other than that i mean and like i said anything is appreciated nothing is required anyway let's get on with the show obviously i started the show with the rant and we're gonna keep that going because i i'm livid with this team right now this offseason has been one of the most embarrassing offseasons i've ever felt as a fan of this team we as fans of the Giants have been spoiled to expect a certain level of competence from this team that you know other teams in the NFL haven't always shown. We've always done things the right way. Um, they've signed players that are high character players. We're not really in the tabloids negatively, other than you know the way Eli Manning looks and people like to make fun of that, which. I don't give a shit. I love Eli Manning to death. My my son's middle name is Eli. That's that's my guy. I'm not going to sit here and say he's, you know, better than Tom Brady or he's the the greatest quarterback in the world, but I I love him and I'm glad he's been a giant all these years. He's been the perfect representation of of New York City and and the Giants. Eli Manning notwithstanding the rest of the team, I'm not sure I can say the same. The players have been fine. It's the the management has been embarrassing. God forbid we I, I bring this up, but ever since the boat trip ahead of the 2016 playoff game, which I was at and that was the coldest day of my entire life and sat through a miserable game surrounded by, you know, Green Bay's faithful, which I'll be honest, they were some great people. The Packers fans are awesome. That was a great afternoon other than the fact that we got our asses handed to us. But ever since that boat trip this team has been spiraling downhill and i don't know why everybody thinks that odell beckham jr is just this laughing stock of the nfl when other teams are absolutely terrified every time he's on the field so i don't i don't really understand why people make fun of him sure he kicked a kicking net and got hit in the face but then he went and lit your team up for probably 165 yards and two touchdowns so make fun of him all you want the kid's a fucking stud he's arguably not arguably you can't say that he's not a top three wide receiver in the NFL, and there is a legitimate 
case to be made that he's the best receiver in the NFL when he's on the field. He's not always healthy. He he's played one full season. He's gen- he generally misses three or four games with hamstring or you know issues in the lower half of his body. Fine. When he's on the field, he is one of the most dangerous players in the NFL, and and teams are terrified to play against him. So make fun of him all you want. You don't want to play against him. And I know the gen- the Redskins, Eagles, and Cowboys fans are absolutely elated that he's not in the division anymore. Say whatever you want. I know you guys are happy that he's not here. I am not obviously. What pissed me off so much is a few days after the trade was made, a report came out that the Giants didn't intend to trade him that day. And then I guess John Dorsey, the general manager of the Browns called and Gettleman was like, yeah, let's make something happen. And they pretty much made a deal without Gettleman calling any other teams. So there's been other teams that have inquired about Beckham throughout the entire offseason and last offseason because these trade rumors have been going rampant for years. They didn't make any additional phone calls. They got an offer from the Browns and they were like, yeah, let's do it. You got San Francisco who I'm not sure what their final offer would have been, but they were the most you know motivated team to go after him. And they had the second overall pick in the draft and they got some good players that they probably would have given up to have that kind of ex- explosiveness on offense, which they're severely lacking. You team it up with Jimmy Garoppolo, who they see as their quarterback of the future, you give him an Odell Beckham Jr. on the outside, God only knows what that team would have given up. And you didn't even give them the opportunity to, to counter the offer that you got, which, let's be honest, was not a very good offer. If I was the GM of the Browns and I say, look, I'll give you the 17th overall pick and, and a safety that's kind of okay, and you give me Odell Beckham Jr. I'm praying that Dave Gettleman's fucking high to make that deal because that's highway robbery and I just stole the one of the best players in the league for next to nothing. If Odell Beckham Jr. was in the draft this year and he had this type of resume that we knew that he was going to be this good because that's what the Browns knew who he is. He's been in the NFL for five years. They know how good he is. You give me the 17th pick for that, every single team is signing up for that and thinking they got the steal of a century. I mean, in this draft this year, Odell Beckham Jr. is the best offensive player in the draft. And I don't know, you can make an argument that maybe you want Nick Bosa, maybe you want Quinnen Williams instead of him. Chances are, if Odell Beckham Jr. is in this draft, he's going one overall. He's that good. Everyone knows who he is. And you gave him away for the 17th pick? The 17th pick. Need I remind you, you turn that 17th pick into a nose tackle that can't even rush the passer. You use the 17th pick to draft, to draft Dexter Lawrence, who is an exact replica of Snacks. Damon Harrison, who you traded away midseason. The exact replica. Just a big body run stuffer that clogs the middle of the lane and doesn't touch the passer. I don't understand it. If you tell me, you look at it now, they traded Odell Beckham Jr. for Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, and O'Shane Zeminis, defensive end from ODU, which... I mean, my God, ODU, that's that's the school that you're getting a player from for, you know, one of the premier players in the National Football League? What the hell? And then Dave Gettleman comes out and says, well, we don't have a culture problem anymore. Ha ha ha. Like, no, no, sir. You're right. You don't have a culture problem anymore. What you have now is a fucking talent problem. And that's a much bigger problem than a culture problem. Now you got nobody that can put fear in a defense and score points. You got Saquon Barkley, God bless his soul, probably already the best running back in the NFL. What's he going to do? The whole the whole defense is going to be stacking the box against them. What are they, afraid of Sterling Shepard? Give me a break. You're not afraid of Sterling Shepard. I mean, he's fine, but he's not, he's not what you want from a number one receiver on the outside. He's the guy you want to see when Odell Beckham's getting double covered and they got six guys in the box trying to stop Saquon and you got this, this little guy that's really not that fast. He's just got some pretty good hands in the slot. 
you got Evan Ingram that kind of fears, puts fear in the linebacker and the safeties over the middle. So Sterling Shepard can kind of do his thing and get open. When there's no Beckham, Sterling Shepard's not going to get open. I mean, he's just not. He doesn't create separation. So I don't, I don't know what what they're thinking and the wide receiver they drafted isn't scaring anybody either good grief anyways obviously i hate that trade i thought it was just fucking blasphemous that they made that move the trade is one thing i mean i understand you're rebuilding if you're rebuilding i look i will never say that they should not have drafted saquon barkley when you have quarterbacks that they're not necessarily in love with and you have a running back that is a generational talent a a can't miss prospect and and one of the most dynamic backs in the nfl from day one you take him i don't care if you're rebuilding i don't care if you're playing to win you take that guy if there's a andrew luck in the draft then then you know it's a different story you're taking the quarterback that you know is a can't miss there wasn't any can't miss quarterbacks last year there just wasn't saquon barkley was can't miss he was the best player in the draft he's the best play he would have been the best player in this draft as well so you take that guy however when you're entering a rebuild the you're trading odell beckham the year after you make this move all right so now you got one of the most dynamic wide receivers in the nfl is not on your team anymore and you drafted a quarterback number six you're trying to transition this quarterback into the nfl and you took away what could have been his biggest weapon and made that transition that much easier so you're already putting daniel jones at a disadvantage eli manning at a disadvantage because he's trying to play out the remainder of his contract while continuing to win and you're take you took away his biggest weapon so i mean what people are gonna rag on eli eli didn't have a bad year last year you can say what you want about the team not winning his numbers were not that bad he he played as well as he could have behind that bullshit line and odell beckham jr missed four or five games so he did what he could and he's not mobile everyone's like well he he's not a mobile quarterback he's never been a mobile quarterback he never has he can't the mannings don't run have you ever seen them run they they can't do it suggesting that he needs to make a change at 36 years old is ridiculous the guy is what he is he needs a line in front of him at this point in his career they didn't have that i mean what are you expecting them to do he's throwing he's taking a three-step drop and releasing the ball because he has no choice he's getting drilled make fun of him all you want he had a pretty good year he's not gonna do that this year because he took away the defense's biggest threat anyway all right next next topic olivier vernon was also traded this trade i actually liked i thought it was weird that they ended up combining it with the odell beckham jr trade which made it look a little bit worse i thought when the ov trade came out and they got uh kevin zeitler back who i wasn't really sure who that was to be honest with you i knew that cleveland was shopping him around because he was you know highly paid and they were looking to go you know younger and cheaper but when i started digging he was pro football focus's sixth rated guard in the nfl that's pretty good and considering we don't have a good line that's a pretty good ad for a guy that plays 10 games will get you seven meaningless sacks and a blowout fourth quarter loss and he was making way too much money so i really like that deal the problem was they ended up combining it with the odell beckham jr trade which turned into odell beckham jr and olivier vernon for kevin zeitler jabril peppers jabril peppers that's a hard fucking name to say jabril peppers and then what turned into dexter lawrence and O'Shane Zimenez, which looks much worse the odell beckham trade is going to look bad regardless unless you turn it into the number two overall pick but the ov trade alone was really good and i was very happy about that olivier vernon is a good player like I said, he's going to give you maybe 10 to 12 games. And his his sacks are, are meaningless sacks that really don't affect the game in any way, which kind of got old. So go ahead, ship him out. You, you made a mistake in that signing. So ship him out, move on. We're done. Good. Landon Collins. Landon fucking Collins. Why they didn't even think, they didn't even consider trying to re-sign him, I don't understand. He's 
two years away from being in the final three for the defensive player of the year. He's one of the premier safeties, one of the premier defensive players. He's an excellent leader. Everybody loved him. He's, you know, a great character. He has no issues off the field. He's, you know, does a lot with his community, does a bunch of charity softball games. Like, the guy is a good dude, a good player, a good leader. Guys love him, and you didn't even talk to him about an extension. Didn't even talk to him about a contract. And didn't even consider franchising him for $11 million, which I guess a lot of money for a safety, but he got a lot more than that in the open market. It's baffling to me that they didn't even try. Like, this guy's really good, and they just let him go. So if you let basically your best defensive player go, you let your offensive, your best offensive player go, but Dave Gettleman says, yeah, I still think we can win. How? With who? Who's going to score points? you got the star running back that's not going to do anything because he doesn't have any support around him. So I don't really understand. Dave Gettleman is, I, I, I'm i starting to question his, you know, intellect. Like there's, there's got to be something wrong. I don't, I don't know if he played football in his career when he was younger. Maybe he took a couple hits to the head. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's got some issues, man. And then after trading Odell Beckham Jr., a couple days later, they signed Golden Tate. So are you rebuilding or are you not? What are you doing? Golden Tate is 30 years old and he's a not as good, slower Odell Beckham Jr. I don't get it. You say you're rebuilding, so you're trading off and getting picks, and then you spend all this money on an aging wide receiver that's okay. I don't get your reasoning for this. If you're not rebuilding and you're planning to win, why would you not want Odell Beckham Jr. to be a part of that? Because he is obviously better than Golden Tate. Don't get it. Didn't like it. Don't think it's necessary. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's yeah um one signing i did like uh they signed marcus golden uh edge rusher that played under james betcher who's the defensive coordinator for the giants in arizona um had 12 and a half sacks in 2017 i don't know if he played through it or he missed some games with injury last year so they got him for fairly cheap i thought that was a good signing they obviously need a pass rush they were 30th in the nfl in sacks um that was a big hole in their defense last year definitely hurts when your secondary is banged up and you can't rush the passer i mean you're you're just going to get lit up every game when that's the case which they did um they also signed another arizona product in antoine bethay this i don't understand either i guess it's for a leadership standpoint when you let your biggest leader walk away you sign another one that doesn't know any of the players makes no sense that's going to be a recurring theme in this episode nothing the giants are doing it makes any sense and it pisses me off so much and oh my god I, I i love this team so much and i hate this team so much at the same time i i can't not follow them but god they make me so angry and then another good thing they did they resigned spent uh the center spencer pulley he's he's pretty good i mean he's solid he's nothing special nothing to write home about he's not gonna be wearing a gold jacket when he's when it's all said and done but he's he's not bad and that was a good resigning. they needed to bring him in they need depth on the offensive line because they haven't had depth on the offensive line in a long time and it it's something that was much needed that i thought they would address in the draft which they didn't which we'll get to later um i don't i don't understand they have contradicting plans that aren't helping the team in any way they're they're either rebuilding so they're trading some players away and then they change their mind they're not rebuilding anymore they think they can win this year so let's sign some new players we draft a player with a six overall pick and daniel jones which I'll, I'll say this i know in the trailer my soundbite says daniel fucking jones i don't actually hate the player i don't necessarily hate the pick i hate where he was 
pick. I don't think he needed to be picked at six. I think I personally thought that they could have waited until 17 to get him. I personally wanted Dwayne Haskins, and I'm absolutely livid that he went to the Redskins. He could have gone anywhere else. Why couldn't Denver have taken him at 10? But he went to the Redskins, and I'm terrified of that for the next, you know, five, six years or longer if he really is as good as I think he's going to be. And they re-sign him, but it is the Redskins, so maybe he's going to light it up and they'll let him walk like Kirk Cousins. Let's hope. I don't hate Daniel Jones. I I wasn't one of the people that never heard of him before then. I never watched him at Duke, but he was a name that was on my radar as, you know, the prototypical quarterback, the 6'5", 240. He's got a little mobility. He's Eli Jr. That's exactly what he is. He did an interview with Michael Kay um, on the Michael Kay show the night he was drafted, and he sounds like Eli. He answers questions like Eli. He looks like Eli. He plays like Eli. I don't know if that's what they were doing. If he ends up being Eli, trust me, I will be happy with that. If you give me Eli Manning with the sixth overall pick, I'm taking it every day. Say what you want about the guy. He won two, two, he won two Super Bowls, and don't give me that bullshit that it was the defense because it wasn't the defense. Both of those Super Bowls was mediocre. They played well in the Super Bowls, but Eli Manning got them there, and Eli Manning won it in the fourth quarter in both of those games. If you give me that guy with the sixth overall pick, I'm taking it. The only thing is, if you think you can get him at 17, they had Josh Allen sitting there. He fell in their laps. Nobody thought he was going to get to six. He fell in their laps, quite possibly going to be the best edge rusher coming out of this draft, quite possibly going to make a run for defensive rookie of the year, and possibly defensive player of the years in the future. This guy is that good. He is scary off the line. He's a stand-up linebacker that specializes in rushing the passer, something the Giants desperately need, and they let him walk. Not let him walk, but they let him, they passed on him, and he ended up going in the very next pick to forgive me, Tom Coughlin with Jacksonville had to be laughing when he found out who the Giants picked. I mean, for God's sake, Tom Coughlin of all people took the guy that the Giants should have taken. If I can only imagine what this team would look like if Tom Coughlin was still here. I didn't want him to be the coach anymore, but I would have loved to see him stay in the capacity that he ended up going to Jacksonville to do. That would have been awesome. I like the guy. I like his talent evaluation. I like the way he builds his team. I thought his offensive you know, playbook was a little outdated. That's why I didn't really like him as a coach as the years went on. However, as a as a football mind and a, and a team builder, I thought the Giants really could have used that, but it is what it is. And you know, look, it comes back. It doesn't bite us. He didn't take him before us. We, we gave him Josh Allen. Kudos to you, and Jacksonville's going to have a dirty fucking defense in 2019. As the Jacksonville defense is getting better, the Giants' defense is going to get much worse. I do like a, a couple of the cornerbacks they took in the draft, and we'll get to we'll get to those guys after the break. I do think the secondary is going to be better on the outside. I don't like the safeties, obviously, with Landon Collins gone. I don't like placing Antoine Bethea with, or replacing Landon Collins with Antoine Bethea. I don't think that that's obviously not an improvement, and I don't understand it. The the back end of the, the secondary is going to be susceptible to everything. Um, people are going to be running wild deep. Unless these cornerbacks turn out to turn out as good as I think they will. I think DeAndre Baker is going to be a stud. I really do. I, I, I thought when they when the pick came in showing that the Giants had traded up to that 30th overall pick, I honestly thought they were going to take a tackle. Um, they ended up taking, really was the best cornerback in the draft from what most of the experts were saying, which is good. I mean, they need cornerbacks. I get it. I like the pick after the fact when I read up about DeAndre Baker. I really liked what I saw. I really liked what I read. Uh, everybody, all the experts 
were high on him. I'm not a big college football fan, so I don't really watch these guys. I wait till the season's over and they start talking about the draft and I start reading up, um, especially on the offensive player, players for fantasy football purposes. But I, I read up on, on you know most of the guys that are going to be first round. After the first round, I don't really pay attention. I wait till the Giants make their picks and I look at those guys. Uh, first round, I kind of read up on everyone just because I, I want to watch the first round and kind of get an understanding of what they're doing. I like that pick. I, I just don't necessarily know they needed it at that point. They're, this was a quarter cornerback heavy draft it was very deep they could have gotten one later they ended up getting two more julian love from notre dame i think is going to be really good too uh but i i would have liked to have seen a tackle however that that outside secondary i think is going to be really good it's just you know up the middle they're going to really struggle they're they obviously are loaded at nose tackle i mean they, they still got dalvin tomlinson uh they still got bj hill they now have dexter lawrence who by all counts is going to be a stud at what he does he's just not necessarily what the Giants needed I don't I would have liked to have seen I really wanted them to get Montez Sweat at that pick that's who I was looking for he was dropping because of you know some character issues which I get the Giants don't really draft guys that have character issues that's not really their MO but you know someone like that that's that good that fell that low I mean take a shot on him especially when you're looking at that pick being your Odell Beckham Jr. trade pick you need to make a splash you can't just pick a nose tackle that that stuffs the run that is snacks 2.0 I'd rather have snacks to be honest I mean I don't know if this guy's going to do any better than what Snacks did, and Snack was established, but, you know, it is what it is. I don't think the defense is going to be any good. I don't think the team is going to be any good this year. I really don't. I think Daniel Jones is going to get started probably, you know, sometime between week 8 and week 10, unless somehow they figure out a way to string some wins together. I just don't really see it. They don't have enough talent outside of they're, they're top-heavy. I mean, they got, you know, one of the premier tight ends in the NFL. They got one of the premier, they might have the premier running back in the NFL. NFL, that's it. They're not going to score a whole lot of points because those guys are going to get taken out. They're probably going to let up a lot of points because even though I like the cornerbacks they drafted, there is going to be a transition to the NFL. It's going to be a lot faster than college football. These guys are a lot better than the college football receivers they're going up against. I, I understand the guy DeAndre Baker played played at Georgia. They play in the SEC. They're seeing some good guys. They're not seeing the guys on a weekly basis that you see in the NFL. They might see a, a stud once a year at in college. They're not going to see. They're they're seeing these guys every week in the NFL. So it's gonna there's going to be a learning curve. So I, I expect the defense is going to let up a lot of points, and I expect the offense to not score very many points. However, all all of this is null and void if Daniel Jones hit. If that pick. If Dave Gettleman is right about that pick, then you get him at six and he hits. He looks like a genius and this whole narrative flip. And nobody's going to look back on this draft and laugh anymore, which everybody's doing right now. I listened to the National Sports Radio Friday, the day after the first round, and the Giants were getting killed by everybody. Not just, you know, New York sports media. Like, everybody was killing the Giants for their first round. Their first round was atrocious. Everybody, was, all my friends and family were blowing up my phone. Like, what What do you think about this? Who the hell is this? I'm like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I have no clue, no rhyme or reason for these picks. However, every single pick can bust. If Daniel Jones hits, this draft is a success. Is a success. If Daniel Jones busts, Dave Gettleman will never be remembered for anything other than Daniel Jones. He put his ass on the line, his legacy on the line, his entire career on the line for this one pick, and it might have been a reach, but if this guy hits, that guy's going to go down as a Giants legend for picking him, just like Ernie Acorsi went down as a Giants legend for picking Eli Manning, or not necessarily picking Eli Manning, but negotiating that trade on draft day to bring in Eli Manning. Ernie Acorsi, nobody knows anything else that he did. 
Nobody knows anybody else that he drafted, any other teams that he built. Everybody knows that Ernie Accorsi manufactured the trade that brought Eli Manning to the Giants and ended up winning two Super Bowls. Jerry Reese was the general manager for those two Super Bowls, but no no one is giving him credit for taking Eli Manning because Eli Manning was not his guy. Eli Manning was Ernie Accorsi's guy. Ernie Accorsi is responsible for those two Super Bowls. If Daniel Jones hits, if he brings this team back to relevance and they compete for some Super Bowls, Dave Gettleman is going to be remembered forever as a Giants GM, but he is taking a big risk with this pick. This is not the pick that everybody expected. If Dwayne Haskins was the one picked at six, I'm not sure we'd be seeing this, all this backlash about this pick. It's the fact that they took Daniel Jones, who was relatively unknown by, you know, the the casual fan coming into this draft, and they took him with the sixth overall pick ahead of Drew Locke, ahead of Dwayne Haskins, ahead of Josh Allen, who was by all counts the best pass rushing linebacker in the draft, which is a desperate need. So it's a it's a huge pick, but like I said, if every year they, they've drafted 10 players, if all nine other players bust and Daniel Jones hits, this draft is a success. Uh, but we'll get a little bit more into the draft. I'm going to take a break. I got an ad that I need to read for you guys. Uh, so hang tight. We'll be back in a few minutes. So thanks for tuning in to Big Blue Pin Stars podcast. Now that I know that you're listening to this show, that means I know that you're a sports fan. And the fact that I know that you're a sports fan means I know that you play fantasy sports because who doesn't play fantasy sports? But did you know that you can play daily fantasy sports and not have to worry about the salary cap and use snake drafts to draft your team and play against other players that don't have the same team as you? Unlike those other apps that use salary caps and everybody has the same team. No, draft.com doesn't do that. They have snake drafts. They have daily winnings. You play in smaller groups, so it's much easier to win money. Uh, you can sign up using promo code NERDS, N-E-R-D-Z. You'll get free entry to a $3 contest after your first deposit. So sign up right now, draft.com slash nerds with a Z. Sign up and start drafting today. Welcome back. Thanks again for uh, tuning in to Big Blue Pinstripes Podcast. Now that we've all signed up for draft, let's go ahead and get right to it. Uh, we touched on the the NFL draft a little bit uh, before the break. Obviously, I want to get into it a little bit deeper. I got a lot of thoughts on some of these guys. Uh, some of the lower level guys in the later rounds, I haven't necessarily uh, researched yet. I'll, I'll get into that and we'll probably talk a little bit about them in the next episode as there's not a whole lot going on with the Giants right now. So we'll, we, we need a little bit of content for next time. So I'll get into some of those guys and see if there's what I like about those players, what I don't like about them, where I think they fit, things like that. Uh, but I'd like to get into a couple, mainly the top three, the first let's just get into the first round guys today Daniel Jones obviously the controversial pick that everybody's talking about that kind of on the fence about I'm not sure whether or not I like it whether I don't like it I need to see the kid play I hated it when it happened took a couple days to really think about it and I'm not so sure I really hate it anymore I don't think that they needed to pick him at six I know Dave Gettleman said that uh, he said in a interview I think it was yesterday uh, on Sunday that he knows for an absolute fact that there was two teams Denver and Washington at 10 and 15 that would have picked Daniel Jones ahead of 17. I'm not sure if that's true. We'll never know because Denver and Washington will never admit to it considering they both pick quarterbacks. They're not going to say, yeah, we would have taken Daniel Jones and, and then throw their new quarterbacks under the bus like that. They're not going to. The Redskins might. I, I do know the Redskins pretty well living in D.C. They might actually do that. But as far as Denver, I know John Elway is not going to do that. And it's something we'll never know. If that's the case, if Denver would have taken him at 12 or at 10, there's no way the the Giants could have moved back up to nine. They would have had to give up way too much to pick at six and nine. If it was just the Redskins that would have taken him at 15, it'd be pretty easy for them to move up from 17 to 14 to take Jones. And they could have gotten Josh Allen at six, but it's it's something we'll never know. And in all honesty, if, if Dave Gettleman, like I said before, if Dave Gettleman is right about this guy and they 
needed to have this player, then you get him at six, and I guess you figure out the rest later. If he hits, like I said, if he hits, it's going to make this entire draft a success, but that's a big, there's a big question marks around that right now. But anyway, let's, let's talk a little about Daniel Jones. I had to do a little bit of research on him. He's the prototypical size that you want from a quarterback. He's 6'5", uh, 220 pounds. He ran a 4'8'40", which isn't too bad for a, a big quarterback like that. Um, he's got some mobility in the pocket. He's not afraid to use his legs. He has 17. He had 17 total rushing touchdowns in three years as a starter at Duke, which is pretty good. I like that. Ran for over 450 yards two of his three seasons as a starter. I like that. Guy can move. He's Eli Manning with a little bit of speed which I do like. The only thing you don't like is his numbers, uh, touchdowns, picks, yards, completion percentage aren't that great. But when you kind of read about it and watch a little bit of, you know, some highlights and some lowlights, because everybody wants to watch the highlights and talk about how good how good a player is, but you got to also watch some of the lowlights and see like what mistakes he's making, where he's making them, why he's making them, what he sees like compared to what actually happened and where he's misreading. So I like to look at some of that too. His numbers aren't that good. Roughly a two to one touchdown to pick ratio, a little bit less actually, which is actually pretty on par with what Eli does. Um, however, when you look at the underlying numbers of the wide receivers, they dropped a ton of passes. Um, he had a lot of guys that were running open that would drop balls. He hit a lot of guys in stride and some tight covers that they would drop. Duke isn't necessarily a football powerhouse. They're not bringing in, you know, five-star recruits every year like the Clemsons and the Alabamas. So there's going to be times where, you know, he's making good plays. He's making the right read, and the players on the other end of the football just aren't doing what they need to do. So in turn, it makes Daniel Jones look worse when you're looking at it by a number perspective because chances are you don't watch a lot of Duke football games. If you're watching Duke, you're watching Zion, and those boys tear up the basketball world. You're not watching Daniel Jones and Duke play against, you know, the Wake Forest and, and college football. I, I kind of like what I'm reading. I, I still think they reached to get him at six, but I, I like what I read about the kid. He's got similar weaknesses to Eli. He likes to throw the ball up. He doesn't like to take sacks, and that's a blessing and a curse. I mean, Brett Favre was the same way. Brett Favre rode that right arm right to the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning is the exact same way. His Hall of Fame resume is questionable because of his regular season statistics. If you look at the two Super Bowl rings, I'm, I'm sure there's not very many quarterbacks with more than one Super Bowl that are not in the Hall of Fame. There might be none. I'm not sure. Usually, if you win one, there's, guys can win a Super Bowl. I mean, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Um, these guys can win Super Bowls but chances are these guys are not winning two. Usually when you win two, there's, there's a reason for that. And he was the reason for both of those Super Bowl runs. 2011 may have been his best season as a, as a regular season quarterback, possibly 2012. He was pretty good in 2012 as well. But if you're going to give me a guy that has the exact same weaknesses as Eli and put him on a team that doesn't set Eli up for success, it's not going to set Daniel Jones up for success. They didn't draft they didn't draft a lineman until the seventh round. Their line, their line is very, very shaky. They they signed Nate Solder in the offseason last year. He was okay. He started off really bad and got a little bit better. Overpaid him, which I didn't mind because those are it's not the sexy ad because I mean who wants to pay all this money for a lineman? But what people don't realize, and most football fans do realize, but casual fans don't realize, those five guys in front of the quarterback are really the most important people on the field. If your quarterback can stay upright, then you're gonna win a lot of games, especially when you have a good quarterback. 
when you have a team that's put it this way when you draft a quarterback when you draft a quarterback that's got the exact same skill set as the current quarterback and the current quarterback is in a system that doesn't set him up for success the new quarterback is not going to be set up for success i i can say that as many times as it takes but i don't think dave gettleman is seeing it when you ignore the offensive line like this and i get they traded for kevin zeitler and i like that trade but you also need to get younger you don't need to go the same route that jerry reese did jerry reese came into a good offensive line he had christney he had david deal he had sean o'hara he had these guys that had a good line and won two super bowls behind this line he ignored them for the longest time in the draft just because he i don't know if he didn't appreciate what the line does didn't think they were as important as they are i don't know maybe he thought chris knee could play till he was 52 i don't know but he ignored it for so long and then when he started drafting them he started missing i mean we all know what happened to eric flowers justin Pugh ended up being okay got hurt a bunch they ended up letting him walk in free agency didn't feel one way or the other when they let him go but i thought he was better than what else they had so they probably should have re-signed him you're just not you're drafting guys that aren't still here this line is needs to get younger and they didn't do that and they traded away their best wide receiver and daniel jones is gonna come into a system with such high expectations it's unbelievable to put this kid in new york city like this put him behind a team that has such a history of of winning and such a rich history as a as a sports franchise and you're not setting him up for success and the second he starts playing poorly or even if he's playing well and the rest of the team is playing poorly and they're not winning he's gonna get laughed out of town and he's not even gonna want to be here anymore so i don't like that i like the kid i don't like the fact that they're not doing what they need to do to surround him with any sort of cast that's gonna help him but i do like the player i think he has a chance to be a pretty good quarterback i'm not sure if he has a, if he's going to be a super bowl winning quarterback I, I don't know like nobody knows that until we see him play on the field but i think he has a chance to be pretty good he i like the fact that he is very is very confident and i like the fact that he's very comfortable standing in the pocket and waiting till the very last second to deliver the ball he doesn't shy away from getting hit he doesn't shy away from contact he you know scrambles when he needs to keeps his eyes down the field he's an okay thrower on the run he's not you know he's not Michael Vick on the run but he's not Eli either so that's a good thing because he's probably gonna be doing a lot of running behind this line so that's a good thing that he can do that the one thing I don't like about him by most by most counts of the college football analysts he's been labeled as a game manager which from my untrained eye as somebody who doesn't watch college football it's hard to tell when you're on a team that's as bad as Duke is the fact that he carried them to a bowl game is pretty impressive in my opinion but I don't like I said I don't watch the games I don't really watch any college football so I don't I have to go with what you know guys like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper and and these guys say because they know better than I do and they pretty much know better than everybody else but we'll see it's all gonna unfold right in front of our very eyes because I I guarantee you we're gonna see him this year they're not gonna pick him six overall and not play him Uh, so we're gonna see him this year it's a matter of when not if Um, and hopefully he's ready when his his name is called he seems willing to learn from Eli which is good obviously we all know that he attended the Manning Academy and he's coached by the same quarterback coach that coached both Peyton and Eli so obviously he has some sort of relationship with Eli so that might ease the transition and it might make Eli a little bit more willing to teach him and take him under his wing and you know show him the ropes which like I said you can say what you want about Eli he's the guy that I want teaching our new quarterback how to handle life in the NFL and handle life in New York because that's a completely different beast than being the quarterback of the Seahawks or being the quarterback of the Bucks. you're the quarterback of the Giants there's a lot of scrutiny that goes along with it it's like being the shortstop for the Yankees those guys face different things that the same 
type of player in another city faced. It's not something that, especially coming from Duke, you're not you're not the star player at your college. You're not getting calls for interviews like Zion Williamson is. You're kind of on the back burner, able to go to class and do your thing, walk around campus like kind of like a normal kid and do your thing, and you're coming to New York City to play the most important position of all sports. You need someone like Eli teaching you how to do that, and I do like that. Other than that, like I said, we got we got to wait and see. It is what it is. Gettleman put his ass on the line for this pick, and as a Giants fan, I hope he's right. I can sit here and bitch and moan about them picking six, but at the end of the day, this is my favorite team, and I, I obviously don't want them to fail. So I, I hope to God this kid is good. You know, if not, they'll end up with the first pick next year, and we can get another quarterback. So fuck it. The second pick they made, the 17th overall, the trade from that they got in the trade for Odo Beckham Jr. They took Dexter Lawrence, the big-bodied nose tackle out of Clemson. Clemson, you know, made some history by having three linemen drafted in the first round. That's pretty impressive. I mean, you have an entire unit getting drafted in the first round. They're doing something right down there. So I'm not saying that this kid's not going to be good. I just don't think he was needed at that position. I like Dalvin Tomlinson a lot. I like B.J. Hill. I think B.J. Hill has a chance to be pretty good. Dexter Lawrence is probably going to walk onto the field as the best of those three. But what his skill set provides is the same as those other two and it's the same as Snacks Harrison had and I mean it's not like Snacks Snacks Harrison was you know winning games for us he was providing you know a lot of tackles in the run game and clogging the hole up the middle to make you know running back have to change direction and you know put some pressure in the face of the quarterback but didn't actually get to the quarterback it is what it is I think it's a he's a good player I'm just not sure it was needed at that point the measurables are great I mean 6'4 342 pounds the guy's a massive human being the quarterback is going to look at him and be like fuck this I'm not letting this guy hit me because I'm not might not get up if he falls on my knee that's I'm done for the year so it's it's an intimidating figure but I mean in the NFL a lot of guys are that big so it's we'll we'll see how it goes if he if he can figure out a way to rush the passer he did have seven sacks as a freshman um everybody thought college football analysts thought that he was going to exceed from that and grow from that and become a better pass rusher which he did the opposite he ended up only having four sacks in his next two years still had a lot of tackles had some injuries to deal with too missed a bunch of games but that that freshman year was by far his best year and he really failed to duplicate that and that's kind of worrisome but if he can figure out a way to learn how to rush the passer then this pick is going to be good but we'll we'll have to wait and see i wasn't happy with this i, I wasn't happy with the first round in general i thought there was different ways they could go with this pick they, they needed they needed a pass rusher they got a lineman which a defensive lineman which one can assume is a pass rusher but there's defensive linemen that don't pass the that don't rush the passer that are there for that specific reason to clog holes and provide alleys for the ends and the linebackers to rush the passer which is all good and fine but when you don't have any pass rushers what good is this guy gonna do clogging a hole for nobody else to hit the quarterback like I said, he's a he was one of the best run stuffers in in college football. He's one of the biggest guys that came out of this draft. He, I mean, if you take it take it with a grain of salt, but he ran a five oh five forty, which isn't bad for someone that big. I mean, that's pretty quick. I mean, it's faster than I can run, and I'm half that size. And you know, thirty six bench reps. The guy's obviously strong. He's obviously a big man. There's no denying that side of things. I just didn't think it was. I didn't think that skill set was that essential to this team that they had to pick him with the 17th overall pick. And I also thought that made the Odell Beckham trade look a hell of a lot worse. The third pick they took with the 30th overall selection. They ended up they 
actually traded up, traded with Seattle to get to this pick. I assumed that they were going to take a tackle. I was very excited that they moved up to this spot. And then they took DeAndre Baker, the cornerback out of Georgia. Not bad. Like I said, the the more research I did about this kid, I, I really like him. I think he's going to be really good. But I didn't think, which seems to be the theme of this draft, which is why I think they're getting killed. I didn't think it was that essential to use that pick on this position. This position was really deep in this draft and they got yes they got the man at the top of the the top of the list however with a position that's that deep and your team that has so many needs especially rushing the passer as we continue to say and blocking the passer i thought that that was much more necessary however this kid is good he ran a 4 5 40 he's 5 11 195 pounds that's that's a good size for a cornerback um, a lot of cornerbacks nowadays have been running a little bit smaller but that's a good size he's excellent in press coverage he's man-to-man guy he loves that the only problem is is that when he gets beat at the line of scrimmage he gets flagged a lot he's he pulls from behind very often but if he get he's a guy that can really get up in front of you and you know disrupt the timing of of your routes because he's not afraid of contact he's not afraid to bump you and and get physical at the line of scrimmage which is which is big because the giants don't really have that Janoris Jenkins is the speedy guy that's going to, you know, jump a lot of passes, but he's not really that physical that he's going to bump and push and tangle with you the whole way down the field. He's not going to do that. This guy does, and I like that. The one big stat that jumped out at me of this kid that I thought was fantastic, he hasn't allowed a touchdown since 2017. He went a year and a half without allowing a touchdown to a receiver he was covering in one-on-one coverage. That is phenomenal. If he can bring any sort of resemblance to that to the NFL, the Giants are in good shape because there's not many guys like that. I mean, you're talking Darrell Revis in his prime, Patrick Peterson all the time. That's basically the list. There's not many guys that are that shut down that prevent wide receivers from getting into the end zone. Like I said earlier in a different different uh, scenario, the NFL receivers are a lot better than college receivers. You're going to see a stud every week. So likeliness of that happening is not very high, but it is a pretty cool stat and it's not something you see every day. Um, he's a great open field tackler, which is good with the loss of Landon Collins, who was that guy for the Giants. It's nice to have a guy in the secondary that's not afraid to make plays in the run game. And also when guys get beat, especially the Giants like to play a lot of zone. When guys get beat, if he's near the ball, he's usually making a tackle and he has great great ball skills. He passes, he breaks up a lot of passes. So I, I do like the pick the more I read about it. Thought the position wasn't necessary at the time, but as far as the player goes, they got the premier player at a very deep position and ended up getting another one later on in Julian Love that, that I think is going to create a good one-two punch for a long time. In addition to that, he won the Jim Thorpe Award, which is the college football's award for the nation's best defensive back in 2018, so that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, they like what they saw on tape. Experts are really high on the kid. He was obviously rated the number one cornerback in the draft. Giants got him. It's a good pick. If he turns out to create an island out there uh, on one side of the field, basically taking half of the field away, it's a phenomenal pick. I, I say this to my friends all the time. I hated when the Giants drafted Odell Beckham Jr. I'll, I'll go on record saying this. Um, when they drafted him, I was so angry because at that time, we were fresh off you know, Victor Cruz's Cinderella story, and he was the guy in New York. And Odell Beckham Jr. was virtually a clone of him with better hands and a little bit faster, but the same size. I wanted a bigger receiver. Obviously, looking back at it, hindsight being 2020, Odell Beckham Jr. was the best pick of that draft. This guy could very well be the best pick of the Giants draft if Daniel Jones doesn't hit because this guy is almost is almost the most can't-miss player uh, that the Giants selected. He's, he's going to be a good pro, whether he becomes a bona fide shutdown corner that he was in college, I'm not sure, but I think he's going to be a good pro. And if you get good pros in your draft, you're doing something right at some point. 
like I said, we'll get into some of the other guys. I need to do a little bit more research, and I need content to fill the Giants portions of the episodes for you know the time being while there's not much going on. So next episode, we'll get into the rest of the draft and a little bit more of going on what's going on off the field. A lot of things that Dave Gettleman is saying that is blasphemous and just making me lose my mind about this guy. I don't understand what he's doing or what he's what he's thinking. Uh, he built a team in Carolina that being a guy that seems to hate culture problems, he created a pretty bad culture problem in Carolina and got them to a Super Bowl and he's kind of riding the coattails of that into this and thinks he can do no wrong and likes to toy with the media and and fuck around in his interviews and say shit that makes no sense just to kind of get a story out of it but I don't understand what his plan is he says he has a plan I think he's just blowing smoke up everybody's ass I don't think he has a plan but we'll see so we'll get into a little bit of some of the things that he said but again I want to thank everybody for tuning in Uh, this is the first episode I'm really excited to get this show on on the road big blue pinstripes I'm I'm hoping there's you know big things for this show I'm hoping the next couple episodes we're gonna have a guest um I have a guest locked up for um a Yankee segment coming soon so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun hopefully get some Giants experts in here or Giants guests in here to talk to me about some of these things you know bounce some of these ideas off other people get some opinions on some of these players that they drafted to see what try to get a more objective opinion I try to be a, a, as objective as I can for those of you that do know me I am pretty objective about the teams that I love um I'm not wearing the 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 homer glasses that oh my teams can do no wrong like Fuck that. My teams make some big fucking mistakes a lot of times. The Yankees are not doing that right now, which is nice, but the Giants are in full-blown fuck-up mode. And it it's good for this show because it's going to give me a lot to talk about. And hopefully it's going to keep you all interested and give you something to listen to because I'm going to be ranting and raving quite often about this team. But yeah, so if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. Um, we're available now in every every app that you use to listen to podcasts. Uh, drop us a review. Like I said before in the, in the teaser, it really, really helps. Apple Podcasts podcast is the king of the podcast hosts and the reviews there are essential to getting found uh, by you know audience members people that listen to podcasts it's, it's huge what gets you onto their new and noteworthy listings what gets you onto their featured podcast things like that the, the subscribers and the reviews are huge in driving that algorithm that they use to however they show the few podcasts of the thousands that are that are listed give us a follow on twitter we're at bb pinstripes pod uh, tell your friends we use it to, you know, obviously promote the show and post a lot of stuff, you know, pertaining to the Yankees and the Giants, uh, little nuggets, live tweet a lot of games. I, I'm on Twitter as I'm watching the game, so I'm always talking about that. Uh, so give me a follow at BB Pinstripes Pod. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Real quick, before we sign off, I want to give a shout out to my beautiful wife, Melissa Carter, uh, for becoming the first patron on Patreon.com. She donated, uh, agreed to become part of the Saquads tier, uh, so that gives you a shout out on the show, shout out on Twitter. Uh, It's $1 a month, so I want to give her a a big thank you for supporting me. I, I love her so much. Uh, she's the driving force behind behind me being you know motivated to do things like this pursuing my passions i i have a day job and i have a passion for sports and she always you know supports me in doing these things so i want to give her a shout out thank you for supporting me baby i love you so much uh and for everybody else 
You can find us, we're at patreon.com slash bigbluepinstripes. Like I said earlier in the show, it's, it's everything is appreciated, nothing is required. If you want access to bonus content, um, rapid reaction videos to, you know, breaking news and big events that happen pertaining to these teams will be posted on that site that you have to be a patron in order to access. So if that's something that's in- interesting to you, head on over to patreon.com slash bigbluepinstripes.